What's up guys, it's Evan and you are watching episode 10 of the Super Secret Filmcast. No guests this week, but Chris and I are going to talk about prep and some of the things that we have learned throughout our careers about properly prepping for video jobs. Before we get into that real quick, I wanna tell you about our sponsor, Core Group. You may have heard me talk about them last week, but I wanna tell you a quick story this week. We were going through our tax projections. Uh, this last week, I had a phone call with my accountant. He was running through our numbers so far for the business this year, which if you haven't checked us out yet, challenge your media house on Instagram link below, whatever, go follow the business. Um, but aside from that, we were talking through numbers and how we've made this switch from being a sole proprietor to an LLC, making an S-corp election, yada, yada, I won't get into that. Uh, and long story short, he said, if the back half of this year goes the same as the front half of this year, you're going to be looking at saving approximately um, $15,000 on your taxes this year alone. That's year one, that's not counting, you know, if things go better, you're actually gonna save more money um, and that doesn't count next year, year after. So I was pretty amped about that and we got to immediately have a follow-up conversation which was, what are you gonna do with that money? Um, you know, here's what we can talk about as far as tax write-offs. Let's talk about investments, retirement planning, 401ks, IRAs. And it was a good conversation where I got to ask all the questions that I've always thought were stupid questions and really started setting myself up for the future and actually making a plan to invest in my future. Those two things, tax stress and investing have been things I've always wanted to have be better in my life and I never had a good opportunity and Core has made it possible. If you're interested in that, you can book a no pressure, no cost discovery call. There'll be a link below or you can go to coregroupus.com slash eborsier to have that call. Again, $15,000, all because of one phone call when I reached out to Core. I highly recommend you talk to them. Link below, coregroupus.com slash eborsier. One of the things that we really wanna do before we end season one is have a conversation about money. We've talked about it in some of the earlier episodes. We got sidetracked with some other conversations and we wanna come back to it. I've gotten some great questions asked into my Instagram stories. We're gonna try and incorporate those, but if there's anything you would want us to cover, talking about rates, negotiating, budgets, etc., please leave that in the comments below here. That's where I'm gonna check and pull questions for this money episode. So that's gonna be coming soon. We're really excited about it. Tell your friends leave a like, rating, review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, or just share this on your Instagram, send the YouTube link to a friend. It's really appreciated. So anyway, let's get right into the conversation about prep. I saw an interaction with you on Instagram where someone kind of, or Facebook, I don't remember. Uh, kind of was disagreeing with something that we were saying, you were saying, I was saying, I don't really remember either on that, but it was a really good dialogue um, back and forth. And I think if anybody's listening, doesn't agree with something we say or has a different opinion, like we want to hear that and we want to like bring it up because the, a lot of this is kind of almost our therapy of just chatting together and talking about subjects that we're learning about, have learned life experiences. So I don't know, I just felt like we should have we should say that at the beginning of some episode because i think yeah i want to foster community and just open dialogue so 
Yeah, I get a lot of DMs from people, which is really nice. Uh, honestly, I've gotten so many very kind messages from people, and I know you've gotten some and sent them to me as well. Um, but I guess you know the one thing to to that is that like any thoughts, positive, negative, uh, are are always cool, and they're cool for other people to see too. I think, and so mm-hmm. like whether it's uh, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, like if you have a a thought about something, I mean, I'm always happy to chat in the DMS, but like, it's cool if you throw a comment out there and other people can see it and maybe agree with you or disagree with you. But, um, you know, and, and I think one of the things too, is there's definitely seasons to these things. And so Mm -hmm. everything that we're talking about is from the season we're in now, and we've done, we've done the say yes to everything and totally burn ourselves out. And I, you know, I think that's where it's like some of these phases you, I think have to go through at least to some degree. And so, you know, in a perfect world, you would just skip it. And we actually talk about that a little bit in the interview with the gnarly Bay guys is like, you know, you feel like you could skip your 10 year journey into three years, but I think it does sort of take that time for you to make those mistakes and learn those lessons. So, um, you may be in a different phase and you may, may be like, if I say no to anything, I can't pay my bills. And it's like, well then ignore us and pay your bills. And eventually you'll probably come to a similar place that we're at now. And, you know, we'll be at a similar place, people ahead of us, but we're just sort of sharing where we're at and what seems to be helping us right now. Yeah. And I think that's what we're like looking for too. When we want guests or whatever, like we're not going to just go after, you know, insert popular filmmaker name here just to get clicks or whatever. At least that's not what I want. I want people on that are genuinely interesting. Um, maybe struggling through something. Um, I just think I find that more helpful. I think, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I just, and that's the point of this is for help to be helpful. Like, like we did with the gnarly Bay interview. That was an intentional, I don't know if you addressed it. Um, but it was intentional to not have me on there because in my opinion, having four freaking people on a podcast and especially if you're viewing this online video wise, um, you're going to have three or at least two of them bored out of their mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think, conversation flows very well so you know we we want to hear things we want to we want to be challenged and we want to get people's opinions and find the most interesting man in the world you know i know yeah so it'll be interesting i still don't know when we're gonna put a pin in season one but it's gone uh it's gone farther than than maybe i expected already so that's cool (laughs) (laughs) is it have you enjoyed it yeah, I've super enjoyed it. It's uh, It's been really cool just to talk to people again, to have these conversations with you and uh, to to see people's response, you know. And I think there's probably some amount of it that's like the, uh, you know, after what we talked about in like episode one or two and stuff, I think that people are maybe more prone to say something. But it's definitely been cool just to hear more and more stories of like whether this version or the original version of the podcast is like how it's made a difference in people's lives. So it uh it definitely makes the late nights trying to cut thumbnails a little more worth it <laughs> have you seen a difference in or have you noticed a difference in people's like response or the, s- I mean, either comments because you were pretty gear and technique heavy on like version one and i feel yeah. like we might chat about like we did with before this started or maybe you recorded it i don't know about like your a your a1 but we've kind of strayed away from that so i don't know if the topics have changed the type of comments type of people all that stuff i mean 
If you haven't noticed it, that's fine too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely more just like general positivity, at least that I feel like I'm feeling, but there's less... Uh, there's less audience, which is probably the most frustrating thing. Like it's just reclimbing the algorithm. Um, mm. It's it's frustrating to see Instagram reels and Instagram stories do so like ten times better than an episode of this does on YouTube, despite having a bunch of subscribers and like mm. uh, you know just the the algorithm game of it is a little frustrating. Like that. You know, people, if, if you follow me, you may have seen that like silly mountain bike 360 reel thing I did. And like that gets like 4,000 views with no effort. And this stuff, we're like fighting to get three or 400 views on YouTube right now. And I have 6,500, 7,000 subscribers. And so it's yeah. like, well, subscribers don't mean anything apparently because it's all uh, all the algo game. So that's like, uh, it's it's annoying. And I think part of that is an ego thing and you just want to feel good about it. And part of it is, if you're putting work into something, you want people to to see and hear it. But I think part of that is just getting the snowball going again. You know, it's the the platforms all like to see consistency. And so as people have been watching and listening and sharing and commenting, you know, it is growing and you just have to be patient to let it grow again like it did last time. So or we just the patience it. game or we just murder it. But or we just like we're going to end it right now. Yep. End it's of season over. one. We're done. Yeah. See you later. So, Sick. uh. What do you think is like the difference between like mid-level filmmakers and like really good filmmakers? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to tee you up for something we've been talking about a lot. I was trying to (laughs) act like I didn't know what you were about to say. Maybe we do. Hey, we prepped for this. We prepped for the prep talk. Um, One thing I guess that's near and dear to my heart is prep. Um, It kind of, I think you probably think, now that you're like insanely athletic i don't know if you were when you were growing up but yeah look at those guns um coming myself coming from athletic or i just did sports like my whole life um i think that's the definition of athletic i know see i don't i just think you did sports or and you could be athletic if you do sports but when you're young you don't have to be athletic sure i mean everybody gets a participation trophy right um but i really enjoyed the practice side of things especially in soccer like I remember a couple teams I play on, like we would just, the whole team would gather for practice without the coach. We ran in a lightning storm once, freaking awesome. Um, and so I just really enjoy the work that goes into like before you're supposed to perform for something. So um, I personally put a lot of prep in, but I guess what kind of spurred me wanting to talk more about this, um, so I had a conversation with a DP and I didn't ask his permission to say a story, so I'm not gonna tell his name. Um, but he was kind of in a mid-level market and I was noticing some directors just not leveling up. And I had these directors that I think when I say leveling up, I mean like going from medium sized music videos to like big commercials. Um, and they have the talent, like seeing their stuff. I'm like, that's part of the reason I asked him, why do you think these guys aren't leveling up? And he has worked a lot in New York and LA and one of his biggest things was they just don't prep as much as people in those markets. Their preparation is just not on the same level. And we were just kind of swapping horror stories or whatever, but I thought that was really interesting. And going into, um, you know, kind of the saying no idea, but educating your clients, say if you run a production company, 
um, and taking those clients through a process, which is can be looked at as prep as well. It's super important, I think, for if you want to start a production company and, and climbing that ladder. I think Gnarly Bay also you sent me a clip, which is kind of why I want to talk about this. But in the interview with them, like their biggest thing was prep. Like that's the thing that kind of changed uh, change things for them is just putting in tons of preparation. And, um, so yeah, I think it's super important. Um, I don't know what's your prep uh, before I go into like my specifics because you you went from like DP now you're running a production company in Challenger yeah. and how did that like change? Yeah, so I feel like it's sort of it's still a, a work in progress for me a little bit, but um, you know I think one of the the biggest thoughts with sort of what I've been trying to do there is definitely having a sort of like defined process and something you can point at and something that you can push things into. And I've definitely, I think, spent most of my career in that perspective of like, you know, oh, we want to do a video of, of this thing or for this thing or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, like, what are you trying to say? How much money you have? And when do you need it done by? And then it's like, okay, we'll go figure it out. Right. Um, maybe you pull some reference images. Maybe you don't. Maybe you throw a really simple keynote and like a paragraph together about it. Um, but for the most part, you know, even, even I think a lot of stuff that looks pretty produced is pretty vague as far as like, we're going to go to this location and shoot a scene. And then we're going to yeah. go to this location and shoot a scene. And there's not a lot of specifics. There's not a lot of lining things together. And, and I think in some ways that's okay, you know, and especially for certain types of production, uh, it's not like everything has to be totally boarded, but I think that my experience on the client side, especially has been that like, you really want to get out of that order taker, um, fast food restaurant. Yeah. Executor kind of mindset. That's like, okay, tell me what you want. Tell me how much money you have and tell me when you need it and I'll get it done, you know? And so if you want to move to that position that I think a lot of us dream of where it's like the clients asking you how to get this done and how things should go, you need to actually, know the answer to those questions and be able to point at that. Like, how should this go? What does this process look like? What do we need to know? What are the things that would have to happen for this to go as well as possible? Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of the companies that you see that do really good work have really good defined processes. And so the companies that come in and work with them go, okay, that's your process. This is how we're going to do it. And then by the time you're, you know, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that every project needs to take six months to turn around either, right. but it's that you've, you've checked your boxes and gone through knowing everything you have to know so that you aren't on set. And like, I was on a Walmart thing where like, as we were shooting, the client realized that they didn't have any helmets for the kids and the kids needed to have helmets. And the nearest helmet place you could get that had Walmart helmets was like an hour and a half away. And so it like put our whole production day back like three hours. And it's just like, yeah. that's a little thing, but that sort of stuff is like, those are conversations that can all be had before you get on set. Um, and so having something- The process you brings respect helpful. from the client. Right, because like, you know what you're doing. At, yeah, right. I mean, some people might think, oh, that's another- hoop that they have to jump through or step no it's not it's a remember they're hiring you because you're the expert and if right. you're the expert you need to bring them through this because they need a little education along the way on why these steps are important or you're not the expert in their mind which is why they reject all sorts of process and they just want to tell you what to do right but then that's then goes back to you should be maybe saying no to this depending on what i guess phase you're in Right. Well, and that's where it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg problem, right? Because it's like, 
I had a big conversation uh, a few months ago with a director at a at a decent sized agency around town and you know, he was sort of talking about how, oh, you know, it was the thing I was shooting and he was like, we don't have that much time. We don't have that much money. Client needs it done in two weeks and needs X, Y, and Z deliverables. And I was like, why don't you just like tell them you need more time basically? Cause he was like, they do this to us every time. And I was like, well, it works for them every time, you know, like right. every time they show up and say fire drill and you guys jump as high as you have to and get it done for the money they need. Like, why would they give you more time and money if you don't put your foot down? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at a certain point, it's like, I think a lot of us expect that's like, oh, eventually the clients are just going to start asking us these things. And and in some ways they can, but I think a lot of times you just have to put your foot down and be like, hey, like, so I would be curious from your perspective, like on the DP side, do you find that people expect and are like wanting you to do this prep or is it a conversation that you're having to initiate that's like, whether that's financial and like prep days or whatever mm-hmm. else, like this is something I'm going to do. This is a part of my process. Cause like I f- find that a lot of the stuff I get called for, people don't even expect me to pull references. Like right. I don't get asked to do diagrams and some of that's the nature of the shoots we're doing, but it's like you just show up and wing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say like 50, 50, like, uh, for some people, yes, press expected for others is exactly what you just stated but that doesn't mean that i'm not going to prep it's kind of like the personal project conversation where it's it's really case by case like and for me i think it's every case because i see the long-term benefit for myself so i'm gaining either even if i'm not getting paid what i think's proper prep rate or even getting paid at all i'm still going to put in the the rep so to speak to do prep because i know as i climb up or get older or whatever um it's going to benefit me um even if i'm not like a dp and i move into more like agency or whatever like the the idea that there's a pro- there's a personal process can be scaled to why we have a company-wide process i always want i don't want to be a show up and shoot mentality even if i'm kind of showing up and shooting like say in a doc situation right um I still want to pull references. I still want to like do overheads just to get my mind. Cause another thing is like when I process those things on paper or on my iPad, I, when I get, when I'm, you know, when I show up, my mind is, can be off of the nuts and bolts of doing it and more on of a creative, like, Oh, this is a little addition that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we can shoot over here instead of over here and it'll even work better. Like it's kind of a, a way to re- you know, get things off my mind that on the day, a lot of times I'm struggling with when I've already pre-visualized them um, before I got there. And that's kind of like a sports sports thing as well, where you're just, you're visualizing the perfect pitch, the home run, you know, crossing the finish line first and whatever sport. Um, And I try to do that. So I still would say that I answer your question. It's 50, 50. And for me, it just is extremely beneficial if I do it on every job, no matter what um, for those reasons. Right. No, that makes sense. And that's something that like on the production side, um, I'm trying to be better at is like us pushing everything through the system for the most part and like continuing to flesh out that system and sort of codifying it into a thing that's like, okay, this is you're you're sort of like coalescing what it is as you get into bigger and bigger mm-hmm. things. Um, but starting to go, okay, let's be intentional about building towards that. You can't just wait for the perfect project to come along that sort of has all this time and whatever else. Um, yeah. Do you find when you can prep though, do you, do you actually see the benefits? Oh, like, totally. What I are mean, the benefits th- for you? I mean, I think, um, I think one of the biggest things is that like 
The proper prep work is one of the biggest opportunities to infuse like deeper meaning into any sort of creative work, I think. Thousand percent. That it's like if you're doing like we're doing uh design work for Challenger right now and like having the conversations about what are you trying to do and what kind of stories are you trying to tell and what's your brand you know, mission and vision and what's your experience allows all these little opportunities to come out that just gives something a lot more depth than just being like, here's some art styles I like and what it's called, go figure something out. Um, And I think that on the film side, like an example that immediately comes to mind is like, I did this thing with Josh McGowan uh, in Chicago a few years ago about these football player brothers. And we had like, we didn't do a ton of prep, but we definitely had a really good conversation before the shoot that was sort of like, here's sort of the story, here's the big beats. Um, And it was this opportunity opportunity where we talked a lot about like, this period of uh, of sort of despair in the one brother. He's an NFL football player who got hurt and then got, you know, lost his team and was trying to get back into the NFL. And he was like out doing workouts in parking lots and stuff. And we talked a lot about sort of this like juxtaposition of very like locked off wide, like Mm -hmm. action going through frame stuff in this despair moment and just like big negative space. And then being able to get into like really tight, intense, heavy camera movement stuff during the positive parts of the story. And that was like a little thing that when we were on the day and you're just going, it's just like you've already had that conversation and you can fall back on it and it makes a difference in the dynamic and how you feel those gear shifts in the piece. Um, And so I think stuff like that is like, into what you were saying, it's like, if you don't have anything, it's something to fall back on. If you have a great idea, it's something to build off of, but it's like, you sort of need that either way or everything just sort of ends up being this very like monotone. Um, You know, the quote from, we did another piece in that series with this guy who was an ex Navy SEAL. And he said, uh, you, and I've, I've actually heard this quote from a few different people since then, but it's like, you don't, uh, you don't rise to the opportunity you fall back to the level of your training or something to those lines. And I think that's very true in my experience of a lot of film things. Like sometimes you definitely get the chance to reach. um, But I think in those high stress, high pressure, high speed situations, we all fall back into stuff we know works, you know? And like having those prep conversations allow you to go, okay, I'm at least going to try this other thing. And if it doesn't work, I'll fall back to the thing that I know works, but it gives me something else to try first, you know? thousand percent so are there any like so you have conversations sometimes with directors what are you are you trying to put together like a process now for challenger like how are you going to bring like onboarding new clients your process has that been thought of or it's kind of not there yet yeah so it's something that we're definitely working on you know i think i'm honestly interested to like talk to the gnarly bay guys a lot more because they talked about how they have all these layers of processes and i'd love to actually get into that more but because there's like there's sort of the client onboarding side of it right that's like getting to know a client getting to know their brand uh you know understanding their visual language that may already exist um there's the story or, or narrative of the piece part of the process it's like okay what are we trying to say what's the story we're trying to tell whatever else and then there's like the whole logistics process that goes into where do we need to be how much time do we need what crew do we need what's locations what's art department what's whatever else um and so it's definitely not something that i have like super locked in right now it's more like trying to build pieces of it at a time um 
And I think for me, one of the big things that I'm focused on right now is having more and more like story and character outline work done by the time we get on set, whether that's doc or more like produced style stuff to say, hey, this is the big beats we want. This is what we're thinking we want to open with. This is going to be the big hit. This is where it's going to drop. This is the obstacle to overcome. This is, you know, whatever that may be, because that sort of stuff I find even in a doc scenario, like we have a really cool doc opportunity coming up that, you know, is going to be very, who knows what happens while we're out there. But I think you still have to have an arc of your optimal story and sort of what you would need to tell that story. And then if it, you know, it's sort of like free solo, right? It's like, you don't know if he's going to make it, but you got to at least have some sort of plan uh, going into that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. No, totally. I think in, if we want to kind of like use docs as like a good example of like prepping to, because they're probably some of the worst situations you can be put in for prep. I think some of the basic things you can do is just like pre-interviews of your talent mm-hmm. and trying to find uh, my favorite thing and something I guess you could say I fall back on is, you know, what are the, what are the activities this character what do they like to do away from whatever you're filming them doing? So as a carpenter, do they have hobbies? You know, if it's, uh, um, that could be coaching, it could be marathon, it could be whatever, but those ancillary or, and a lot of times the things that the character enjoys the most sometimes are really, really interesting to film, which gives you something that you can like juxtaposition, something else to play off of. Um, but having those pre-interviews and really getting, you know, those talent to trust you is really big and just understand where you're going. Um, and also like the onset capture process. A lot of people in the doc situation have no clue about, Oh, you want me to do that action three times? Why? Right. And I know some people say doc, you should just be, you know, cinema verite and let it happen, but we'll have that conversation another day. Yeah. Um, so like just getting them into the knowing you, um, knowing kind of where you're taking them as well as the process, uh, before you arrive is, super super helpful if you don't do that so i don't know if you build on if there's anything else that you do specifically for docs to kind of get your um, talent uh warmed up to you i guess yeah no i think pre-interviews are are a really great idea i mean i think even just like on the day just being personable like and i guess that isn't prep so much but just like getting to know people as much as you can but to what you're saying it's like how many pieces do you see um coming out of like you know, I would say, let's just call it entry to mid-level production people. That's like, and then they wake up and hit their alarm and then they have their coffee and then they get into their car and then it's a tight of their hand on the steering wheel and then a tight of their eyes while they're driving. And then there's like, it's all these sort of like tropes of the story to tell. And it's really just like, uh, pretty generic B-roll, which there's a place for some of that. But But, I think to what you're saying, you could also do like, if you get to know the character, you could start that out and then do a flip on them. So they're an athlete you see that's that basically that same sequence you just described play out you're immediately going to think oh they're about to go train or they're about to go do this but maybe they're going to visit like their mom that's dying of cancer right so like flipping the normal tropes on their head is also another interesting way but sorry continue. no you're good no i agree and that's what i was going to say is like if you're telling a story whether it's for a brand a story of a person whatever it may be it's like the pre-interviews allow you to figure out what that character actually is because if you don't do that you probably are going to have a relatively shallow perception of like oh this guy's a carpenter or he makes coffee or whatever and he's like what do people make coffee do they wake up and drink coffee and then they drive to the coffee shop and it's yep. like that's fine but the piece you're going to get is exactly the same as every other piece and like 
if you're trying to tell a unique story, you need to actually dig to find the unique stuff. And a lot of the times you're better off learning that stuff before you're there on the day, you know? And so I think pre-interviews are a really good opportunity to do that. And also just to find like, to ask weird questions and learn little things you don't know, like, especially with clients. I don't know how many times I've been in the situation where the client's like, oh, we just thought you were going to do everything in the conference room. And then you like, can we look around and you find something that's absolutely ridiculously awesome, like in their building that they don't even realize is awesome. And and let me pause. Exactly. That's the important thing is like people sometimes don't realize how cool their environment is to outsiders. Like, you know, when you hang around your house all day, you just kind of get used to it or your place of work. So it's really important to just continuously, I think if it's kind of like a show up or like scout the day before situation, ask for like as much, hey, can I look around as much as you can? So right. didn't, I just thought that was very important. Didn't mean to cut you off there. No, but. yeah, I, I totally agree. I think people like pushing to find things that are important and pushing to find people that are interesting. Because I think mm-hmm. another thing is that like, especially in the like, branded content corporate side a lot of the times clients will be like oh you should talk to so and so and so and so and so and so and then it's like it turns out those three people are all actually not interesting at all um but that there's these other people around and that's where you have to sort of um you have to take the reins right and be like okay, I'm going to make the decisions of who we talk to and where we do this and when we do it and everything else. So I need to know all my options instead of going, okay, well, who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to interview them? What time do you want it to be? You know? And I think that's one of the things that it's like when people message me and are like, how do you get clients to let you shoot handheld or to use diffusion filters? And I'm like, the client's not giving me permission to do anything. Like, I don't like you have set this whole thing up wrong in that scenario, in my opinion. Like, it's one thing if like your DP and your director hates it, you know, that's a, that's a different conversation. But if you're saying the client is like worried about blooming highlights, it's like, you've, you've set up that whole relationship so poorly, or you're just so out of touch with the needs of the project probably that it's like, I don't know. I don't generally run into that issue, but I think there's a lot of like ownership you need to and take. Real quick. What, what you're saying there is sometimes to, to like parse it out is sometimes, or you should know enough about the client, the project deliverables, et cetera, to know whether, a diffusion, whatever that is, is the correct yeah. move for the project, right? Not saying that you should always control the visuals of said project and do what you want to do. I think there's two different things there. Right? Yeah, and I think that depends a little bit on like what, uh, you know, your exact role, the exact project. But I think for the most part, it's like my goal um, and like let's say with Challenger, my goal is to put out things that are very much they are what I like and the people mm-hmm. who like stuff that I like, like, and, and that when you have set your brand up in such a way that you're filtering out other things, you're doing sort of polarizing decisions that by the time someone comes to hire you, they already like what you do. And I think that one of the big problems that people run into is they try to be everyone, everything to everyone in a way that's like, oh, we do weddings and corporates and music so there's videos. there's some, something to no one. Yeah. And then it's like, and then the person has to come tell you what they want because it's not clear what you do. And when people go to my reel, it's pretty clear what I do. And if they're into it, they don't all then come back and try to like take all the toppings off the burger, you know, it's like, and so I think that's where it's like being owning those decisions in general, gives you more room because then it starts attracting people who are into the sort of things you like to do. You know, it's like when I think of like the levels uh, you do with uh, interviews, like you shoot interviews at crazy levels sometimes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's like sorry that, not sorry uh yeah i do uh, yeah i guess to, to tie this why all you're saying though i think is important to tie it back to prep yeah. is that if you lead someone through the correct process and you educate as little even if you don't have a lot of time but as much as you can then the trust level increases and thus they're bought into your vision whether that's an agency level or dp level when you're dealing with a director agency level when you're dealing with all the production etc like right the, it's about trying to educate as fast as possible as much as possible <laughs> right um well yeah. and so i just like, wanted to like tie that back your thoughts no i think you're totally right and i think that idea of like people want to know what's going on and so when you're going through a good process and bringing up opportunities for them to have their feelings heard and uh, answer questions you get a lot less grasping for control on the day. Cause I think that's what a lot of these things can be too, is it's like the client doesn't know what's going on. And so they start just like going, Oh, that looks dark or Oh, whatever. You know, they, right. they try to find weird things to be bothered by. And it's like, if you've really properly held their hand up to that point, you should have their trust in a way that that doesn't necessarily happen as much. I or think. you can at least have the, the power to have the conversations to then tell them why you're doing certain things on set. And they'll be like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause it ties into this, this, and this of your brand. And we've talked about this in pre pro, like, you know, having, being able to have quick conversations on set when they might sometimes, yeah, they might say, Hey, it's too dark. And you got to explain why this seems too dark. Yeah. I was on a shoot, uh, shortly before COVID, I think in Maine, it was this bank commercial and we were filming a scene, uh, and the client, there was a new person from client on set. It was like a three day shoot, three little vignettes. It was like the last day, new client person was on set. And uh, at some point the client lady goes like, are the like levels on their faces a little bit dark? And there was that moment <laughs> where like the whole crew just sort of like looks at each other, you know, we're about to who's, roll. Who's gonna talk first? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and me and the director make eyes at each other. And the agency guy goes like, actually, you know, we're going for this like realistic cinema style with this. And so we don't want it to look overproduced. And, and he like gave her this quick two sentence thing. And she was like, oh, that totally makes sense. Carry on. And so I was he did like, his job very well. Oh, yeah. And I was That's like, awesome. the agency guy took this. Like, I didn't have to take the heat on this one. But uh, but that's a great example of where, like, the agency guy was in the loop and he was able to pass it on to the client in a way that made sense. And everyone felt connected that it wasn't just, like, the DP having to fight production and the agency yeah. and the client for their own thing. Like, everyone was on the same page, you know? Yeah. What, Quentin? Stop texting us right now. <laughs> Trying to Sorry. Buy that was a great point. Muslims. Uh, v stoke he is um so what are there any like tools say if we're gonna stay in the doc world yeah um you get like a two-day shoot you get your you pre-proed as far as so far you've um done, done interviews with talent kind of figured out what you're gonna shoot um for me it's, the next thing is definitely getting addresses for all the potential locations um yeah. and my if i'm not directing it uh it would be after our talk to the director um, getting those locations and then also doing some just general searches in whatever the city for potential locations that can both tie into the b-roll and the story we're telling um but you can do a lot on time, google maps exactly but a lot of times not just taking for face value you like the producer director these are the places we're gonna uh we're gonna film you know kind of coming to the table some other options if you find some good stuff and the big thing with google maps for me is just time of day right. um and that's the one thing 
I would say as far as like communication from a DP's perspective at the very beginning of, again, a doc project is I always stress to producers and directors, you got to give me the time of days that are that are advantageous for your locations. So, right. you know, if that's early morning, we break in the middle of the day and the evening, like for me, especially on a doc, like if I got on, get on doc, I really believe in it. I really want to do it. And so then I want to make it look good. So like I'm cool with the early morning, late nights and having some time off in the middle of the day, but getting those addresses and those locations and doing some searches for yourself can really help. Um, and, and why you do those searches for locations is like as a DP, you know, what's better visually than sometimes a producer and sometimes a director. So I want to suggest some stuff that will really help, um, whether that's a location that has great art or great windows or um, is close to other locations to make our move easier. Right. Stuff like that. So I don't know if what are your steps if we're, again, staying in the doc world that you then take as a kind of like the next steps when you're getting closer to the productions. Yeah, I think getting getting like as much information as you can as far as like schedules, um, locations, pictures, doing some Google map scouting, checking Sunseeker if you can. And that's where, uh, you know, I think especially doc stuff can get a little bit funny where it's like you start almost doing a little bit of backseat producing (laughs) and hopefully you have a good relationship with your producer. But it's like, since you're so beholden to what you're given, it's almost important to control those variables to what you're saying. And so that's where, you know, I think getting ahead of going like, actually this location isn't great for this reason or that reason, but this other thing would be better. Cause sometimes those people are also making decisions based on just different variables than you would, you know, they might be like, Oh, well, we thought that would be awesome. Like it's a cool color and you're like, yeah, but it's not going to work out for what we're trying to do. Like this cheaper, closer thing is actually better or saves us enough time that like we, it, it's really helpful for this bigger setup we want to do. Um, and so I think getting your hands in like, oh, it would be way better if we did this scene at this time or, you know, these sorts of things to help just set yourself up for success. But that's where I'll go in and start asking just for like, all the information from everyone, whether it's director, producer, whatever else, and just going like, okay, parse through this. Are there any red red flags? Are there anything that seems like there's too much time allocated to it, not enough time allocated to it? Um, Like another small example of that was I was on a shoot this year that was like a fashion thing. And we were looking at the schedule and production was like trying to figure out getting the G&E stuff we needed. And they were worried about budget because of overtime. And they had it scheduled as like a 14 hour day. And I was like, hey, can I see your schedule? Um, And I looked at the schedule. I talked to the director about what we were trying to shoot. And it was a bunch of these like short, punchy fashion deliverables. Um, And I was like, can I suggest a few tweaks to the schedule? Um, Because I think we can get rid of the overtime entirely. And they, they were a little like hemming and hawing. And they were like, okay. Um, we wrapped that shoot in nine hours. Um, (laughs) and it was like just a small scheduling tweak that I made and we cruised through the day, got everything we needed. Client was super happy. Agency saved a bunch of money. I got the gear I needed. Um, and that's where just like the producer was actually trying to make sure that I wasn't stressed and like having to do too much too fast, which I totally appreciate. But I was like, no, we, we actually aren't going to flip a lot of setups. Like this is going to be pretty, we can punch through this stuff. Like, let's just go. And I'd rather be done in 10 hours than 14 (laughs) hours too. So like, let's 
just hustle. Um, and so I think that's another just like small example of where it worked out for everyone. You know, no one was really offended. Um, and sometimes you do have to defer to like there's production reasons or logistics reasons or talent reasons. Things are the way they are, but it's worth asking every time. Yeah, I think too, like getting your hands on the schedule and suggesting locations and schedule changes as early as possible is super important, especially if you're trying to shoot for time of day and you're getting talent. Now, again, this is all doc situations, guys. So if you're getting talent that is not used to or doesn't understand production because you need to have conversations with those talent, either producer or the agency or whatever, to tell them why they are getting up at 5 a.m. Right. Or 445 to get at location by five. Um, those are sometimes, you know, you might think, oh, that should be easy. We get good light. Why aren't we doing it? But there's a lot of other people that need to have conversations and understand why you're asking those things, too. So hey, preps are super important. You should do Prep it. But um, super important. Any apps or anything that you use? I think we've decided that we're going to do like a um, one video of kind of like showcasing how we use apps that will be on YouTube only, right? Yeah. Just because it's super visual. Yeah. No sense to do an audio podcast with you showing stuff on your iPad. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's mostly the obvious stuff for me. Um, the big one that I have been really trying to integrate um, is Assemble. And Assemble is really cool for this sort of stuff because you can, you know, list out all your locations you can put in scout photos you can put in your lighting diagrams you can put in the script now, is this you an can... app or is uh for iphone or uh browser based it's browser based um and so it's a really cool tool it's a, a way for you you can localize references and share that with everyone it's sort of just a really great project management um software where i was previously using a mixture of google calendar and google docs and you know, all these other things. Um, and so I've been using assemble to just sort of localize all that information. Um, other than that, you know, I think it's normal stuff like Artemis for going out and just checking out framing on things. It's uh, Sunseeker. What are your favorite apps? Uh, yeah, let me look at, I'm looking at my phone right now. Not now. I'm on Sunseeker. isn't really prep, but yeah. Um, one thing I don't know if people use a lot on Sunseeker is the map view. Which yeah, you is showed me that super handy. Um, if you're on Sunseeker, look at the bottom, just hit map. Um, that's nice for when you're, of course, not on location for prep um, because you can put in the address and see what time of day where the sun is, which is right. sick. And that's um, definitely a feature I use as well as, of course, the 3D view on set. Um, Artemis Pro or whatever your favorite viewfinder app is. Um, definitely use that and then lens toolkit which is a cool um if you're Actually, using familiar with that one yeah it basically matches if you're using different um sensor sizes you can it gives you the correct uh i guess lens match so they all look the same and so if you're using multiple different uh sensor sizes on say a live capture or something and it also gives you things like uh, your hyperfocal distance, your depth of field based off the sensor size and uh, focal length and f-stop. Um, but yeah, lens toolkit is super cool. Um, but yeah, I use the lens match uh, feature on it to match between different sensors. Um, Ryzen is good, which I think you've showed me a long, 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 long time ago. But it basically, I just use it for knowing when twilight 
um, or go or uh, yeah, when twilight and golden hour are so blue hour sunset um, on both the sunrise and sunset of a day, just kind of seeing how long those last. Right. Because a lot of times, if you look up just sunrise, I believe it's when the sun crests the horizon is mm-hmm. how Google. But depending on your location, and this does it via your coordinates, um, that might change if you like have mountains or whatever by you. I do so, have bad news though. I that app is no longer on the app store. Oh well. So don't ever it. delete it. Yeah, I used to have it, and at one point I got a new phone, and now I don't have it anymore. Oh man, it was awesome. all that cool stuff about it, and then it's not there anymore. I know. I Bummer. thought I had another app like that, but I can't find it. Um, I also have um, an app, just a lightning tracker app. Uh, for Union stuff, there's like a minimum distance, and then, and honestly, it shouldn't just be Union stuff. It should be everything, just to make sure you're safe on set. Um, I have the Theta app for my 360 camera. That I use um, to view those photos if I want to download them to my phone. And then Matterport, uh, it's not Capture, it's a, basically a Matterport viewer. Mm-hmm. That's another app that I use. So I, because I take 360 photos for interior locations mm-hmm. on Scouts, which I want to try to find something better, but I'm just using Matterport right now. And it's handy because later on, it's basically like Google Maps. So you can walk walk around, quote unquote, the space, um, as well as you can take measurements from those photos. So if art, if you want to, after talking to the director, you need to add an art piece here or whatever, and you forgot about to talk about that on the scout, um, you can go back and like measure spaces and distances, which is handy. And then my, oh, dark skies, but I don't really think that that's just a life app. Um, and then my favorite is for iPad is Concepts. While you're screwing with your iPad, the one yeah. other thing that's uh, really great is Shot Deck. Yes. If you're looking for references, Shot Deck is fantastic. Yep. Um, which is another then, uh, browser-based thing. Yeah. Oh, no, I think they have. I ha- Do they have an sure. app? Because yeah, I have it in here. I just didn't mention it. Yeah, there's there's an app. Yep. I don't know if it syncs. That'd be cool. But mm-hmm. uh, And then... Yeah, then Capture is like the main one that I use on my iPad, which is like a layered based. I think it's just used for drawing, but you can import photos, PNGs, um, all that. So I have those like set objects on my Dropbox. Also, you can link it to Dropbox, which is really nice. So I can bring in like, you know, light icons, camera icons, do really quick overheads, uh, which probably be the main thing I do on that video whenever we do it. Um, yeah, those are mine. Yeah. I, I think those would be helpful for some people. Yeah. And I'm I, sure people are going to listen to that long list and be like, where do I start with this? So they're going to have to leave a comment and I, talking and I, to you. And I did actually at one point try to print things out for prep and this was like not ever going to work. So I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I finally figured out a process funny enough, but for using iPad on set and I absolutely love it. I think it's my fifth iPad before I was like finally figured out. A process so yeah and i need to all, get better at that all that stuff lives for me on dropbox so every project i have like a prep folder on my dropbox let me open it up right now and every every project gets a its own folder and in that there's like the director's treatment there's shot lists reference images location photos um and then i usually put together like a visual 
deck. Uh, something that's only like four pages, five pages, just kind of explaining like after I hear the director's vision and if it's a music video, I hear the song, all that stuff. Then I kind of put together what I think the lensing should be, like uh, lighting ratios, any inspiration that I find. Um, and then I would say like super handy for me is Shot Deck. Like I have that saved on my iPad as a quick link and it's just something I go to all the time and that's been thrown up on Dropbox. So Yeah, and Shot Deck is a platform that has frames from tons of different movies and you can sort stuff by all sorts of interior exterior wide medium yep. yada 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 um you know like i think you can even put like white balance tendencies and stuff in there colors and here um i just logged on so let me let me see all the different options but yeah continue it's just super helpful for pulling stuff and especially if you're you know if you're trying to make corporate talking heads it's probably not going to be super helpful honestly um but if you're trying to shoot stuff that's any sort of cinematic and want to reference actual movies it's it's really good i also would say from like a selling yourself perspective i man reference movies over whatever's popular on vimeo i'll say that i'm just gonna say that because movies do people still watch vimeo i don't know just, I would say reference long form versus referencing commercials. Um, as f- I just find that people react so much better to their favorite movie being in your visual deck versus some random moody commercial that was shot in Europe. You know what I mean? Right. Which I wish I lived in Europe. But um, it's just such a powerful, like this, I think you have to pay a little for it now yeah. for shot deck. But man, I mean, like Evan was saying, like, the filters are just media type, genre, time period, color, interior, exterior, time of day, aspect ratio, format, composition, lighting, lighting type, shot type, frame size, lens size, number of people, gender, age, ethnicity. It just has like it's made by filmmakers. So like it's awesome. Like, yeah, just pay cool. for it. It's awesome. Well, if this was helpful, let us know if we should do a part two. Let us know. Chris is going to do a video about his crazy iPad workflow. That's pretty cool. Um but yeah, I think we should it, probably cut it. And then is next our wives? It's going to be probably that or one more out from that. So if you want to hear what our wives think of us, I actually don't know what we're going to talk about on that one. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hit, slide into our DMs. Ask what, you know, tell us what you want us to ask our wives. Is that what we should say? No, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know either. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Cool. See you later, dude. Bye. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Again, our sponsor is Core Group. You can find them, coregroupus.com, link below. You know the drill. Chris did end up making a companion video to this episode where he goes through some of the apps and tools he uses in prep, his iPad, 360 camera, Sunseeker, Dropbox concepts. You can find that video. I'll try to link it. You know, Maybe it goes right here. Maybe it's a link below. If you're listening to the audio podcast, it'll be in the description or on my YouTube channel. Watch that video. Let us know what you want to hear about in the money episode, as well as any guests you'd want to see in season two. And we'll see you guys next week.